0: there is a name i love to tell i love to sing it's words. burdens on you this morning? Think about Paul that told King Agrippa, King, I think myself happy today. And put yourself in that place and shake off this world because he is worthy this morning. This is Sunday morning worship service. If you don't come into Sunday morning worship service, what is Tuesday through Saturday going to look like? So come in and lift up your hearts this morning.
1: Your grace and mercy brought me through. I'm living this moment. Your short prayer Forsay be a sinner like me to tell second part of this song this song is singing about two of the greatest words in God's word two of the greatest words in God's words grace and mercy bestowed unto you who are now experiencing spiritual blessings in Christ, you're saved you're redeemed you're bought with a price you are adopted into his family you are God's child And, you know, what we deserved is what the second verse talks about. Grace was the first, mercy's the second. Now justice demanded that all should die. But grace and mercy said, no, no, no. I paid your price. I was blind Oh But thank God I see It was your grace and mercy your grace and mercy that brought me through. Oh, I want to thank you and praise you too. It was your grace and mercy. It was your grace and mercy. It was your grace and and
2: Christian soldiers fighting
3: Satan every day. We're standing up for Jesus while we're kneeling down to pray. If his precious blood has cleansed you and washed away your sin.
4: For the battle's almost over and will soon be home. I can hear the sound of angels as the saints go marching in, singing praises to the captain of the blood wash band. Praise
3: God, I'm a member of the blood wash band. I've been washed in the soul-cleansing blood. soul cleansing blood of the land i was bound by chains of sin till one day the master came and made me a member of the blood wash man
4: god's chariot are advancing marching to we reach the goal for the battle's almost over and we will save me The saints go marching in, singing praises to the captain of the blood for
3: The master came and, came. and made me.
2: getting late, so I'm going to do my best to turn a, a long sermon into a short one, okay? I know that'll make you happy. But. Everywhere I go and every time I hear people talk all week long, went and seen some friends that I uh, worked with, hadn't seen a lot of them in years, and we met over at Sharon Woods, a bunch of us, and had a little gathering. But I noticed in every heart and every life, people are in need. You can see it on their face. Bobby was just talking about it. It's going on. You're no different. No one else is any different. We're all facing troubled times. And I began to think about it this last week. Everybody I seemed to talk to would tell me the times are terrible. Times are terrible. It's not that there nobody in here starving. Nobody in here has not got a place to live. Most of you got your car that's running. Most of you has got your finances is okay. But everything's on shaky ground, isn't it? Everything that we look at, our future in this America and around the world, it seems to be on shaky ground. And when I begin to look at that, I begin to think about Joseph in the Bible. And I want you to turn, if you will, to the 39th chapter, just for a second. Not going to spend long there. But God had laid something on my heart. And I want you to hear this little story. And I didn't know the little kids was going to be in here, but the little kids had heard the story of Joseph. And I know that you can get into it, actually If you uh, wanted to read the whole story of Joseph, you have to read 37 all the way through to 50 to talk about the rest of Joseph's life. But Joseph was a young man, and he had 10 brothers older and one younger brother. And in the 39th chapter, it says that he's about 17 years old is what it says. And if you look real close and read the scripture, you'll find out his little brother, the only little brother he had was Benjamin, and his only little brother was a toddler. He was probably about three years old at this time. He knew his brother, but the other ten was the older brothers, and obviously the father, Jacob, thought well of Joseph. He was the son of his, young, of his old age, and he made him a, a special coat of many colors. And it made his brothers jealous of him. His older brothers, they hated Joseph because the father made of him. And you know what? Sometimes you can blame it on the kid. Sometimes you can blame it on the father. Sometimes, But can I tell you something? Sometimes, and I look around here, Vicki Dustal's got a lot of grandkids here. And I can tell you right now, they can look at every one of them lined up in a row, and there'll be some of them in some areas, they'll stick out. Some area, they're for some reason, seem to have a different characteristic than normal. They have something special, now all of them special, but sometimes there's something in their life that almost makes you ponder of why god made them that way and why they think the way they do and uh you parents that's had more than one child you understand that none of them comes out with the exact same attitude they might look like twins but they ain't got the same character there's something different about every one of them joseph was that different one and joseph at this time has a dream right and don't have you know he's just a teenager he don't think a thing about telling his brothers he told his brothers, We were out in the field working. I had a dream, and we were collecting the sheaves. The sheaves are you catch, you get, pick up all of your crops, uh, your, uh, what each one of them would be out in the field working, and they would gather, whether they gather the wheat or they're gathering the stocks, and they would put them together and tie something around them and hold them, and that was their sheaves. And every one of them had sheaves laying around in, in Joseph's dream. But listen to this. Joseph's dream, hit showed Joseph's sheave standing up and the rest of them bowing to it. Now, buddy, tell that to your brother and sister, uh, especially your older ones. They're going to look at you like, I ain't bowing to you. I don't know what you think you are, but you ain't. But this is what Joseph did. And then he told him he had another dream. And, you know, the dreams... Uh, was was something, but the father, Jacob, was, was watching what he was saying. The father was listening to what he was saying. And I even think Joseph wasn't even sure why he was having dreams. But it says they paid homage to his sheep. And then later on he has another dream there, and it says that the father, the mother, and the, and the stars, uh, the sun, the moon, and the stars will bow to his star. So basically, they're both of them about giving homage to him. Now here he is, 17 years old. He has no idea what his life's about. God knows. Do you know, I don't care where you're at, where you're at? Do you know God knows what you're trying to do? And God knows what he's trying to do in you. He has plans for your life if you'll listen. But the biggest problem with it is, and the scripture says. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Mount up. You know what you got to do? you got to wait on God. Now listen to me, because some of you are praying about something that you want or something that you think you need. But listen to me, put it in his hand and then wait on the Lord. If you don't wait on the Lord, you're wanting to do it and you want God to bless it. God knows what he's doing in your life and what's important in your life. So let God have a hold of it. Alright. Turn to 39 if you can. Look at verse 1. And Joseph brought down was brought down. to He was sold. His brothers saw him coming later. They saw him coming and they decided they were going to kill him at first. Then the one brother said no let's not kill him. They threw him in a pit. And you know the story. And then later they came back and they got him out of the pit because they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites going by. And they said let's sell him to the Ishmaelites. We'll get rid of him. We'll never have to see him again. And they killed a, some kind of a animal and put blood on his his coat of many colors, shredded it, brought it back to the father and the father accepted that Joseph got ate up by an animal and that, and he was dead he was gone. They got rid of their brother. But in the thirty chapter Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar an officer of Pharaoh captain of the guard and an Egyptian bought him of the hands of the Ishmaelites which had brought him down thither and right away, Potiphar knows something about this Hebrew slave and he makes him head over his household. Listen to what I'm telling you now, because if you'll stay with God and you'll wait and you'll hold on, God will bless you everywhere you go. He'll take care of you wherever you go. See, America's got the problem They quit waiting on God. They have no patience to wait on God. Get it quick. Get the computer and get it quick. But see, God's not happy with that attitude. God says, when did you stop depending on me? When did you stop calling on me and saying, what about the will of God for my life? Look it down in verse 9 of 39. Joseph's in the house, and Potiphar's wife takes decides she says after Potiphar's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, "Lie with me, Joseph." I you know how many knows that the master's wife went after young Joseph. Listen to verse nine. There is none greater in this house than I. Joseph said, "Neither hath he kept back anything from me." Talking about his master. Talking about Potiphar. Except for thee. More or less he looked at his wife and says, you've got to be kidding. The master's put me ahead of all this household, but not you. And then he says, because thou art his wife, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against, not her husband, but against God? Amen. How many knows Joseph's got his own uh, principle he lives by? his own walk with God that he lives by. He knows what's right and wrong inside of his heart, and he's trying to do that even in bondage. Things just didn't work out in his life like he thought. He didn't get to go to a a greater school. He didn't get to go. Father couldn't put him in a better place. No, he was under a restriction, under bondage at a young age. Now I want you to look on down. It says, and she lied to her husband about what Joseph, and Joseph was placed in the king's prison. And verse 21 of that 39th chapter, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. How many knows everywhere Joseph goes, he finds favor. God is bringing something out of Joseph that is shining to everybody he gets around, even in prison. The keeper put him in charge of other, other prisoners. Now turn to chapter 40. Joseph goes into prison. He's watching over these prisoners. He meets two prisoners. It says, Joseph interprets the dreams of two prisoners. The king's chief butler was in that prison and his chief baker. The butler would be restored, but the baker would be hanged. Now listen, Joseph, all he knows is I see these two every day and all of a sudden in one night both of them have a different dream. But it's all in one night. And when Joseph sees their face the next day, he says, why are you so sad? And they said, we have had dreams and we have no one to interpret. Joseph always never pointed to himself. He didn't say I'm the interpreter. He said, God's the interpreter. So he tells them. And, it, and now all that is said down in verse uh, 21 of chapter 40 of Genesis. It says, and he restored the chief butler into the butler's ship again. And he gave the cup unto Pharaoh's hand. When the butler went back before the Pharaoh, guess what happened? He was put right next to the Pharaoh to take the test of drinking the uh, every fluid that came his way, everything that the that the Pharaoh was going to drink or the king was going to drink, the butler had to check it, make sure it wasn't poison. And you know, probably the food too. He was the taster. And you know what? They probably, the baker and the butler got thrown into jail because they probably ate a meal a long time before that and probably the Pharaoh got sick and somebody said they tried to poison you. I don't think they had all the scientific stuff they got today to check out what it was. But he probably got sick and they accused him and put them both in prison. But he turns around in the, in the dream that both of them had. When Joseph interpreted the dream, he told the butler, you're going to be restored to the side of the king, but the baker is going to be hung. Now, you might not like this, but I'm just telling you what God's doing in Joseph's life. Joseph before, it says before the butler, he asked him a question. Joseph asked the butler to make mention of him to the Pharaoh when he was restored to the cupbearer. I mean, here's what I'm saying. Now, you know what? You think things ought to happen right away. Joseph wanted out of prison. Joseph says, I know. And he could have been there for life, but he wasn't because God had a plan in his life. But when the when the butler went back to the king, he asked him, mention me to the king, I'm here and I've done nothing wrong. Did he, did he do it? No, the butler forgot. It says he forgot. How many sometimes think God's forgot me? I've been praying about things to change and God's forgot me. See, God ain't forgot America. God ain't forgot His people, and I ain't talking about American people. I'm talking about children of God. God's not forgot the children of God all across these nations, not just America, but all across the nations. God hears their cry; those that's crying to Him, those that's trying to fix it theirself, or waiting for a better president to get in, or waiting for things to change their way. They're not to God. They're not looking to God. They think God's forgot him or forgot their nation. In David, in uh, twenty-seven, Psalm, there's one verse. You don't have to turn there. It says David, encouraging him in confidence, he said, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. Listen to what comes up. The 41st chapter of Genesis. This is what I want to get to. The 41st chapter. It came to pass at the end of two full years. Now listen. After the butler left, two full years have gone by. And where's Joseph? He's still in prison. He ain't done nothing wrong, but he's still in prison. But listen to what happens. After two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river, and behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine. Kind is not K-I-N-D, it's K-I-N-E, and that's talking about cattle. And it says there's seven well-favored cattle, and they were fat, fat-fleshed, and they fed in the meadow. And behold, the second part of his dream, seven other Cattle came up out of after them out of the river, and they were ill-favored and lean-fleshed and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored ones and the lean-fleshed kind, they did eat up the seven well-favored and the fat kind. So Pharaoh woke up. Uh, you know what? That was confusing to the Pharaoh. He had a dream, but he was confused about it. He remembered his dream, but he's confused. What does this mean? Why am I troubled with this dream? Why are we troubled in America? Look at the news every day. And I promise you, you're looking at what the the world's doing. And you're looking at what the enemy's doing. And you're also seeing God say to his people, turn that away and turn to me. That's what God's trying to say to every one of them. And I, th- I started thinking about this because I began to think about the seven years of good and the seven years of evil. And I began to connect it with what's going on today. Now, you know what? You might not like what I'm saying, but I'm going to tell you something. We've been under a, a, how do you say, a spoiled nation. We've been spoiled people. We have been treated good. The economies that we had, there ain't too many people. In America, they couldn't save a little money if they wanted to. If you had any a little bit of, of a, a dedication or, or good stewardship over what God gives you, you can make it without a problem. We're a blessed nation. So we may have just been getting over our seven years of good. But I'm going to tell you something. There's coming a drought, and it starts with a drought of, the God, of God's people not listening to God's words. It's a drought of the word of God that we're not listening to. Now, I'm talking about the church now. But as far as the nation, God's doing something. How many knows God put Joseph, he allowed his life to go right where God placed him? Nobody likes that. I don't know if I want to accept what, what, God, are you going to put me in jail somewhere? Are you going to put me there where... I seem to be forgotten. Joseph's brother's done him wrong. If anybody had a bitterness in him that could have been bitter, it would have been Joseph. But he didn't, did he? You that's read the story, you'll find out he didn't. It goes on and says, he slept, the se- uh, slept and dreamed the second time. And behold, seven ears of corn came up on one stalk. They were rank and good. That means they were full. And behold, the seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. So you had a corn stock with seven good ears of corn standing up on it, fat and ready to go. And then you have seven, uh, another stock comes up and all the all of the uh, cobs on it are just whippered. The east wind has blown and dried them out and they look pitiful. There ain't no good for the crop. And in verse 7 it says, And Pharaoh woke up, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told his dream, But there was uh, none that could interpret unto them to Pharaoh. How many of those America can't figure out their problem? I don't care who you put in there. If they do it without God, they're lost. You're calling on the wisest. How did the wisest get us where we're at? You think you're going to call on them and they're going to fix it? Number one, they have a bad heart to start with. If they have a bad heart, they ain't going to make right moves. If they don't got a heart for God and a heart for what's right in this country, blessings are not material things. Blessings is when God blesses this nation and prospers us as a people, and we're able to go out and reach to others and help others. That's what America's name is. That's what it was all the years I grew up. We were America. That would reach out and help others. But now we've become selfish. We've become a place. Where we quit depending upon what God's trying to do in us. No it's more about things. Give me stuff. They got listen to me real clear. I want you to hear this. If you have watched the news at all. You know they've got all kinds of goods. Stacked out on the ocean. Will not let them come into the ports. I'm talking about. These trailers that they haul on trucks, these trailers that they haul on trains, every day they're going back up there, are stacked up in the ocean out there. They won't let them in. Now you tell me who's wise and who's doing what. You know what they're trying to do? They're trying to force you to do what they want. That's why they got the stuff backed up. Because they know we live on the stuff. We got to get out of this, I'm telling you. We got to step out of this flesh and we got to step into the Spirit of God and say, Lord, take me through the drought. I'm holding on to you. I don't care what we're going through. Somewhere along the line, we got to turn our face to what's going on. That brought up a scripture in 1 Corinthians. Verse 1, or chapter 1, verse 27. But God had chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God had chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. They think they're in charge. They think they got it all right. They think they can control everything. But see, they really don't have control. Pharaoh thought he had control. But let me tell you the dream that he had. It was given not by the devil, it was given by God. Did you know God was sending to Pharaoh what was going to happen in his land to to protect them from being destroyed? Did you know when when Elijah prayed for three and a half years that it would not rain? That was a pretty heavy drought. But this is a seven-year drought coming what I'm saying a seven year drought would have destroyed Egypt and Egypt was a great uh, place they usually didn't get troubled by a a normal little drought because they had the Nile River running right by but when the drought came from God of seven years guess what's going to happen it's going to dry up the Nile it's going to dry it all up and they don't have God to call home but little did they know Little defect, no, he had one little Hebrew boy sitting in a prison. Praise God. God knows how to move for this nation still. He just needs somebody that will truly want what God says and listen to his voice and follow him. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh. He listened to the Pharaoh go through these wise men and magicians and say, tell me what my dream's about. Tell me what my dream's about. And that butler's standing on his side with a cup in his hand. And finally he says, the, the chief, the, then spake the chief butler to Pharaoh saying, I do remember my fault. My faults this day. What's he talking about? I remember what I forgot. Pharaoh, I forgot to tell you, I was supposed to tell you that the guy that, and he went through the whole story about the dream that he had, and the chief butler that had his dream, and how he was restored to the king's side. And all of that was given to him before Pharaoh ever had a part in it. I mean, here's what I'm saying. And he told Pharaoh, I know a man in prison. His name is Joseph. Listen, now look down, verse 14 of Genesis 41. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself. Why did he shave himself? Number one, Egypt men kept their face clean. But the prisoners wasn't given the privilege of that. They were left with no shavers or nothing. But when he was called to see the king, they brought him over to shave himself so he could appear before the king. And he said he changed his clothes and he came to the Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have dreamed a dream and there is none that can interpret. Listen to Pharaoh. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh and said, listen, what did Joseph do? Listen to this. He said, it's not in me. Number one, he took the attention right back off of him. Look here, Pharaoh, I'll come up here to you. I come because you called for me. And I got a feeling, Carl, Joseph's sitting there waiting patiently. And he wasn't down there whining or he wouldn't have been ready. See, he prepared his heart. He kept his heart prepared. And when the Pharaoh, and it finally come to the place where the Pharaoh needed him, you know what? God had him right in the right place. And Pharaoh called him up to his side. He said, it's not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. What a man of God. What a young man of God to speak up. And to say what he did. You know, did, did you know Pharaohs was considered gods self? You know, he could have struck him dead. He could have killed him instantly and said, you don't talk to me that way. I'm a god myself. But no, he pointed to his god. And he said, my god's the interpreter. And my god will give you the peace that you're looking for. Praise God. Down at verse 28. I want you to get to 28. This is the interpretation. And this is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he shows it unto Pharaoh. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. And there shall arise after the seven years of there shall arise after them seven years of famine. And all the, all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt and the famine shall consume the land and the plenty shall not be known in the land by reason of the famine following for it shall be very grievous there's a great grievous famine coming and God sent Joseph the dream to Pharaoh for Joseph to be put right next to him to be put before him and for the dream for that the dream was doubled. More or less the dream was two. It wasn't just the kind, but it was also the stock. Remember the corn stock. He said he told him twice. He said, for the dream was doubled the Pharaoh twice. It is because the thing is established by God. How many knows God sent it? God sent the dream to Pharaoh. You ever had a dream? My brother-in-law Dave came in Tuesday night. He told me God had given him a dream. He told me to dream. Dave, I've been thinking on that all week long. Oh, God, what are you telling us to do? What are you telling us to prepare for? Listen, church, we are God's people. He wants to talk to you. He wants you to listen and hear his voice. He's after somebody to take faith and say, Lord, I'm waiting on you and I'm not moving till you tell me. I'm not conjuring up my own ideal. I'm not looking for my own ministry. I want to hear what you say, God, because what you say will be right. And it'll move mountains. Now therefore, let. No, we're mad. Yeah, dream. And it be and it and it is because a thing is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now listen to what. Joseph does. He turns right around from telling him what the dream saying, saying, here's what you ought to do, Pharaoh. He says, now therefore let Pharaoh look out a man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land and take up the fifth part of the land of Egypt in the seven plenteous years and let them gather all the food of those good years that come and lay up corn unto the land of Pharaoh and let, let them keep food in the cities. And that the food shall be for store. How many of those people storing up now? You know? I don't want to ask you if you're storing up food. That's your business. But I, got, I hear preachers on TV all the time say, oh, you ought to have this amount of food. You ought to store up. You know what? you could store up seven years of food and you might make it through the tribulation. Is that hard? If you don't get to go, you might store up that food. But if you're a Christian waiting for God to come, listen to me, all that food don't mean nothing to you. I'll leave it for somebody else. We got a little bit of canned goods. So if you can get in our garage, you can find them. And I hope you make it through the seven-year tribulation. I hope you don't have to give your head because if you make it through, Jesus is coming back. And he'll set all things right. But they'll be out to kill everyone they can that believes in Christ. It's a great, great, great trouble time coming. And we don't know what's going on. See, what a blessing, Pharaoh. Listen to me. Pharaoh saw something there that he couldn't hardly look past. He saw in Joseph something that the world sees in you. See, they'll look at you and they'll say, you're a Christian. I don't know what's in you, but something's going on inside of you. You have faith in the most hard times. You seem to be positive in a negative world all the time. Why? Because Sue said it. There's joy inside here. I don't know how to press down that joy. When you start singing the name Jesus, I don't know how it don't exalt you. I don't know how you don't get lifted up inside and praise him. Can't hardly be still. Anyway, he says, and let them gather all the food and keep it in the cities. Lay up and the food for the store and the land, uh, to the land against the seven... uh, Against the seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land perish not through famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and the eyes of all his servants. Everybody was listening to Joseph. All these Egyptians around the throne were listening to Joseph. I mean, here's what I'm saying. I'm talking about a Hebrew boy. I'm talking about somebody who had just come out of the prison. And yet he's spellbounding them. By what he's saying. Look at the next verse, 38. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, can we find such a one as this? A man in whom the spirit of God is. I don't know if he knew anything about the spirit of God. Might have been, should have been a small S there on the spirit. Because all he knew there was something in him that was real. But he says, and Pharaoh said to Joseph, for as much as God has showed thee all this, there is none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according to thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. Listen to Pharaoh. He's putting Joseph right up here next to him. Now I want you to see this. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set thee above all the land of Egypt. And in verse 42, he says, And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand, and he put it on Joseph's hand, and he arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put gold chain about his neck, and he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee bow your knee and he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt and Pharaoh said unto Joseph I am Pharaoh and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in the land of Egypt look at verse 46 and Joseph was 30 years old now listen to me i don't know if we got any 30 year olds but you're in a really a spot can i tell you Joseph called up at 30 years old he's put before the head of the greatest army living at the time he's put before the king and he's put second in charge he arrayed him he put him in the second chariot right behind Pharaoh Joseph what did Joseph do It says, and Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout the whole land of Egypt. What is he doing? He's spying out what he needs to do to make this work, just like God said. He's figuring out where the food ought to go into each city to prepare. Now, why would God do all of this? Is he trying to rescue Egypt? No. Is he trying to bless those 10 brothers no no he's not trying to do anything except one thing he wants his people together god is bringing joseph to a place where he's gone ahead of his brothers ahead of his father he's gone ahead of all of the little children that belongs to the land of israel because right on down the road after seven years of plenty two years into the drought Israel, God's man, Jacob, Israel sent his ten sons to Egypt to buy food because they don't want to have food. And who did they fall down before? Just like the dream and the sheaves at the beginning, guess who they fell down before? They fell down before Joseph. Didn't even know it was him. They thought he was dead. He went from 17 to 30 He's probably, what, 39, seven years of of good year, and then two years into the famine. And here he is, probably 39 years old. They didn't recognize him. He had all the garb on. How many know God has a plan? God is a sovereign God. When God let him have those dreams as a young man and put that anger in his brothers, the brothers shouldn't have the anger. But how many knows God knows how to bring his people together? See, God's getting out of the Israelites what he needed to get out. Because when they go into bondage, even in bondage, they needed to be together. How many knows even in the drought that we're facing, God's people needs to be together? They need to be crying out the same thing. You know what we got? We got people that likes to criticize the church all across the nation. And most of them go to another church. They just want to put everybody else down. I don't want to get on your side. I don't want to hear what you got to say. No, we do it our way. And I'm going to tell you something. If we ain't doing it God's way, we're missing it. God wants to bring his people back together. And I think that's what God said to me all week. You've been blessed. You've been given. So maybe a drought might be coming. What are you going to do? Are you my children? Are you going to keep the stand for me? Or are you going to whine about everything? Because, see, I don't know. We might lose us older. People might lose our insurance. We might lose all kinds of stuff at the route they're going. I don't really know. But can I tell you something? I've been living on faith all my life. I don't know what else to do. I do the best I can with what, what God gives me. But the truth is, I never know what God's going to change tomorrow. He's liable to change a lot of things. Come on back up, Becky. I know this is a strange message. I'm not trying to scare nobody. But I'm trying to warn you to get your heart and prepare your spirit and prepare your heart for eternity. Because this ain't home. I've said it before. I'll say it again. This ain't home. God's trying to do a work to draw his church back to one. Why would Jesus, right at the end, in the starting of the, of the book of, of, of uh, Revelation, he would talk to the churches first to warn them, to prepare, to overcome, to repent. Why would he do that? Because right after that in the fourth chapter, they're in heaven. He's preparing the people to get ready to go home. And he's trying his best to use. He is sending those that's listening to the voice of God. Listen to me. He's wanting... If there's a drought of the Word of God, it's a drought that you don't hear from God. If you're not hearing from God, guess what? You're not going to speak. You can study this Bible, and there's all kinds of people studying and got books on everything they think about what the Bible says, but they're not listening to the voice of God. They don't know or discern the time that we're in. A few weeks ago, I talked about the horseman in the sixth chapter of Revelation. I talked about the first one that comes in, the white the white horse, and how he come to conquer, and he come to put his rule over everybody. You hear what I'm saying? That's going on in our land, whether you know it or not. And the next one is to take peace from the earth. That means make everybody hate each other. Everybody, no peace. Families are turning on families. People are turning on each other. Neighbors are turning on each other. They'll turn you in for it. Look out. The next one is the famine. And what do we see? We see the boats out there in the ocean. They're holding back. They're going to starve you into whatever they want you to do. You're going to be under their control. I'm not saying we're in it. I'm saying that this is a prelude of what's coming. Prepare your heart, Christian. God is showing us that things are coming to pass. And we know, because we look up there at Washington and think, oh, all we got to do is get a better group in there. No. When people don't have their heart right, they're not going to be, I wouldn't be no good either. You send me up there, I wouldn't be no good if I don't hear from God. We need somebody to hear from God. We need grace and mercy from God. God loves us more than anybody loves us. God loves your children more than anybody else would love them. And he's trying to lead you to the place where you go ahead of your children and you lead them rightly. See, Joseph went ahead of his family. And if you get into reading, starting at the 42nd chapter, the next chapter, you begin to start reading because that's when Joseph's brother showed up at the door. I want you to understand something. Joseph, I said it, he had more rights to be bitter at anybody than anybody. But what did Joseph do? He would talk to them, and then he'd go off in the other room and he'd weep and cry because he had saw they grew up a little bit. When he tried to tell them, go get Benjamin, and Judah or one of them said, no, keep me as the prisoner. Just, no you know, one of them had took the cup. And they brought him back, and they was going to put him in prison. And he said, no, put me in prison. It'll break my father's heart if Benjamin don't come back. Don't you understand? He tried to tell Joseph. That's what Joseph said, I've got to show them who I am. And they gathered together as brothers. I know they were scared to death when they found out it was Joseph. But he wept, and he held them, and he held on to them, and he loved them. He could have been bitter. But no, he didn't hold on to no bitterness. He was right where God said he should be. And listen to this, the 50th chapter, the last chapter of Genesis. Joseph said unto them, fear not, their, brother, their father had died. He tells his brothers, fear not, for I am in the place of God. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good. To bring to pass that it, it is to as it is this day to save much people alive praise God now therefore fear ye not I will nourish you your little children and he comforted them and spake kindly to them that was a good brother he didn't let things in this world change where his direction He was as happy as any of them to be back in fellowship with his loved ones. The church needs to be in fellowship with God. Hear me, church. We come to church to be in fellowship with him. When the songs are going up and the praises are coming out, that's not for you to look good. That's not for the singer to look good. For the musicians to look good. It's to glorify our heavenly father. Because he still shows up in this house. We ain't nobody, but he's everything. And that's what he's crying out. He's trying to warn us. Put your hands in me. Walk with me. Let me lead you where you need to be. I want to use some people, but I can't get their attention. Too hung up on worrying about what's going to happen. God's going to restore. Praise God! They were looking all their life for a long time—four hundred years they spent bondage. But who knows? God had to get out of what was in them. And when they went, when Moses came to deliver them, guess what? It was time. God knew right where they was at all the time. God prospered them under this favor. You know, he brought them back there and gave them the land of Goshen that they could work. And Egypt didn't even like shepherds, they despised shepherds. Most of Israel's shepherds. Stand, if you will. David said in, Genesis, in Psalms 37, one verse, rest in the Lord. Listen to me rest in the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked devices to pass. Are you worried about what they're bringing to pass in our country? Don't worry. Don't worry. You know what? I go vote. I do my part every time. But I can tell you right now, I'm waiting on God to move. If God don't move, we can't hold this country. Wicked people are going to prosper. They're going to do what they want. Unless God's people step in and trust Him. Then watch what God can do. Praise God.
0: They can't walk upon the water Or calm a raging sea Oh, but I, I know
2: Joseph lived I don't want to pay that kind of price God knows everything you suffer God's recording it in heaven but even in Joseph's life the Pharaoh gave him a a wife told him he could have this wife and Joseph had two sons the first one was called Manasseh you know what Manasseh's name means making him to forget what's he giving him he's given him a blessed son it says forget what you paid Christ to do forget those things that the world tries to destroy you with what happened yesterday forget your yesterday you paid it for me and I'm restoring it by giving you answer. gave him a son You know what the second son was? The second son was Ephraim. His name meant double fruit. God was going to bless him double. Listen to me. He ended up taking even into the 12 tribes when the land was separated. Manasseh and Ephraim, Joseph's sons, took part in the blessing of the children of Israel so what am I telling us church wait upon the Lord he's coming soon wait upon him my wife had a dream this last week she woke up and she told me God showed her something I said what is it Now she'll accuse me of stealing it but I'm going to tell you what God said to her said it was like the ten virgins some were ready and some were not you heard it in the prophecy given. I'm not going to delay my coming if you're going to refuse me. God's calling you to his side. He's calling you to a closer walk with him. But five had their lamps all trimmed and burning. Their oil was there. And they were ready, looking for the bridegroom to come. But five were not. They had to go out and look for to get oil. And while they were gone, the bridegroom came. to so what I'm telling you. God's calling his church to his side. That means get in tune with him. Get in, get in a relationship with him. Love him while you can, while you have time here. To show Christ to others. Let him fill your life with joy and peace and rest. Stop looking at what the world's doing. Don't worry about those things. God knows right where we're at. He's coming to get his people. He wouldn't rescue us from a utopia, would he? He wouldn't rescue us from a beautiful, blessed America. You know, some people live in Indian Hill and they're rich and got everything in the world, and you think, well, why would they want to go to heaven? You know, sometimes the wealthy has a hard time letting go. But I'm telling you, God's coming back to get us, take us to a place that the half has never been told. Praise God. I thank you for your patience.